Welcome to the Chapter 49 podcast. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a retiree uh, with uh, the IRS and uh, a communications volunteer for Chapter 49. This is our weekly Chapter 49 podcast. And Duncan Giles, our chapter president, is with us as always. And Duncan, we can now say that we are part of an award-winning podcast. That's exactly correct. The, at, at the national convention yesterday, the virtual convention that was held for chapters of up to 500 bargaining unit members, Chapter 49 won a communications award. And I uh, you know, thank you as our communications director, guru, volunteer, whatever you want to call yourself. Uh, I give you all the credit, so I appreciate uh, all the work that you've done and getting out to our members uh, in Indiana and across the country. And uh, you know, thank you for your support. And we're also welcoming back uh, for the first time on video, John Kelshaw, the chapter president in New Jersey. So, uh, John, welcome back to the podcast. It's great to be back. And uh, congratulations on to you and Duncan on your award. It's, well, uh, yeah. prestigious and uh, very well deserved. Well, we thank you, and uh, we've put a little work into it, and hopefully that shows. So we're going to start off talking about uh, issues that should be of importance to everyone. I want to talk about the national convention. I, I've been to two national conventions when I served as vice president of the chapter in the 1990s. Uh, it was always a big event. You travel. You have four days of activities. This was a very different uh, convention, John. Tell us about that holding our breath and crossing our fingers the body part, hoping that it would go okay. Because, um, most IRS people aren't used to uh, virtual things. And uh, with a convention with votes and everything, there were a lot of different links involved. And, you know, when people got bored, they started clicking on everything. And I, I think all hell exploded down in national office because they were trying to, you know, tell people that, look, just because it's says, you know, click here, have to all the time. So very interesting. We had some great speakers um, and, uh, you know, the national office did a wonderful job, uh, as, did the, as did the IT company, um, getting this thing off the ground and then back landed. It was uh, pretty cool and surprising, but very well done. Any, any comments from Duncan Giles on the convention? I, I wholeheartedly agree with John. Yeah, we were uh, all waiting because – you know, you had a push to talk when it was time to talk, but there were, as John said, a lot of people out there that just wanted to click that button to see what would happen. Um, the person who chairs our convention uh, is someone I've known for a lot of years and is a good friend of John's. Uh, Pat Frazee was a revenue officer and chapter president over in Akron uh, for many years. And he did a wonderful job, especially when he is uh, technologically challenged. Um so for him to do that and basically run a convention to an empty room, so to speak, because he wasn't getting the type of feedback that he usually gets from the audience, uh, did a wonderful job. Tony Rudin did a wonderful job. And the videos that we had from our guests, I, John, I don't know about you. I was very impressed when I would see, you know, Janet Yellen talking about NTU, uh, Mayorkas, the director of Homeland Security, Anthony Fauci talking about NTU. I thought those were all great videos. Yeah, it was pretty amazing the caliber of people that, uh, for once in the government, who took their time out to tell federal employees how important they were and uh, you know what a great job that they did. I think the best part of the convention though, was the site selection, not just because New Jersey won, but because every time you have a vote, 
That takes hours at the convention. That's the best part. Well, I would I want to just say one thing to Duncan that uh, we have what are called national vice presidents who represent us, uh, um, uh, represent various chapters, large uh, swaths of states and agencies and so forth. And Susan Ryder, retiree from Indiana, uh, won another term uh, as our national vice president. Yep, yep. She won a, another term, was unopposed. And well deserved. Susan does a great job in getting information out to the chapter presidents. And if they have something they want uh, her to address for them or with national office uh, directly, she does a great job of that. And, you know, to back up what John said about the time consuming, yeah, it was, it does take, and John's been very, very involved for many years in the elections um, on national conventions and runs it very well and it was just very interesting to see how smoothly it went um with the electronic voting versus the in-person of course it you know misses a little bit something when you're standing in line waiting for a while going okay why is it taking you so long up there to vote um and then you know not having the ability to razz people while they're trying to tabulate things so it was it was definitely uh an interesting convention and an interesting experience, but uh, we're looking forward to uh, getting back together back in person in 23. And congrats to John and his chapter for, um, you know, for their win of the site selection where South Jersey is now slated for the 2025 convention. Okay, gentlemen, let's uh, let's get back to some some uh, ideas and, and issues that would be of a more um, universal interest. I'm going to let John start this discussion. Uh, we need to know what's going on with vaccinations. We've been getting developments on this almost daily over the last few weeks. So, where does all the vaccinations and employees? Where does all that stand now, as as you can see it? That's a good question. Uh, we're getting questions from our members every day. Uh, the latest that came out from the government was that um, federal employees uh, were supposed to be vaccinated and they were going to have to attest to that. So we thought, I mean, we have to show your vaccination card. And the answer was, no, you have to sign a document for that. But, uh, we haven't gotten official, anything official yet. This is all what we hear in the news. But then, a, then an article came out that said if a federal employee attested that they did have the vaccine. And what that means is they don't have to show their card. They have to sign a document saying that they've been vaccinated. If they lie on that, then they can be disciplined or terminated. Um, as Duncan knows, as union representatives, we always tell employees, no matter what the situation, <laughs> whether you're speaking to internal affairs like TIGTA or whether you're signing something under oath or under the threat of purge, don't lie. Because they're not going to get you for what you did. They're going to get you for making false statements on your own. So this, whatever happens, is going to be a problem. Uh, human nature for some people, if they don't agree with something, is, oh, I'll just sign it. They'll never know. And they'll tell somebody else that they didn't get it. And then that person will be, you know. So it's like a dog chasing its tail. And then once you catch it, you just go in a circle again. So uh, I imagine there's going to be a lot of problems with this because, like, federal employees are like every other person in the country. Some people believe in vaccines. Some people don't. Some people got them. Some people didn't. So not everybody's going to be happy with what comes down. But as federal employees, I think uh, if they make that determination and we have to get vaccinated to test to it, so be it. If it makes this, this horrible uh, virus go away. 
Uh, we can't have another uptick in this because then we'll be closed again, and here we, we're off to the races again. Well, Duncan, I know you're already answering questions. Some of some of our members, some uh, who um, wonder whether vaccinations will be required. And as John just said, it's not necessarily required, but life may not be easy for you if you uh, do not uh, get the vaccination. So tell us the latest information you know. Yeah, that's one of those things. And John's absolutely correct because he and I and every other chapter president across the country and I'm sure national office is getting them too, is getting these questions. And what we know is that if you do not want to get the vaccination or don't want to answer the questions or don't want to fill out the form, any of those three, then you're going to be required to be tested. Now, how often that they're going to be tested could be one to two times a week. You know, we do know the government will pay for the testing. We don't know, and this is something that will be negotiated each agency, so NTU will be discussing this vigorously with the IRS, is will they be doing this on their own time or will they get administrative time? If they do test positive for COVID and are told that they have to quarantine for 10 days, will they be getting any other leave aside from their own specific leave or to this? How is any of this going to work? We just don't know the details right now. But as John noted, in any form or anything that you're sworn to officially, for God's sakes, tell the truth. Um, Because filing falsely is absolutely the wrong thing to do. It's it's going to get you in worse trouble. The cover-up's always worse than the crime. Yeah, that's been true ever since I started as a steward in the late 1980s. Uh, You know something, John, I think uh, Duncan touched on something. It's true in Indiana. I'm sure in New Jersey it has an impact also. You know, we have various sizes of offices. We have large offices and small offices. I mean, you go to a service center, they may have testing available on site. You're at some small rural uh, post of duty. Uh, How logistically complicated will it be to get these people tested? So whether you get leave or take your own leave, this can be a big issue? Well, it's going to be a big issue. Uh, We had a problem getting hand sanitizer during the height of COVID. And now they say they're going to test everybody at every POD. It's just not possible. In the state of New Jersey, I cover IRS. It's 174 miles long. There's no way, even if you wanted to do everybody, you probably couldn't even do it in one day. So I don't know who's going to do the test, when they're going to do the test. Is everybody... Aren't managers going to do the test, John? Uh, I think that's probably that's probably a negative. Uh, you know, so I think you know it. Like my bowling coach told me one time, the theory is good, but the execution sucks. It sounds like a good idea, but to put it in place, and then what's going to happen, Larry and Duncan knows this is the first problem. They're going to come to NTU, and managers are going to say, "Go ask NTU," because they never know. NTU always has the answer out first. But in this case, we're all on the same page. I think every, I don't think anybody at the IRS wants their employees to get COVID. But, you know, it's nice to say that you care about your employees. It's nice to say you're going to have this form and you're going to give, but who's going to do it when, where, and why? And those are the real questions that need to be answered. And we're nowhere near that yet. Uh, Duncan, let me ask you this. Uh, we still have situations where people are getting their family members vaccinated. Um, and w- People who are federal employees are supposed to be able to get time to do that outside their own leave. 
And this goes back to, I think, uh, a date in, in uh, J- late July. So tell us where that's at. Yeah, one of the things that's now been opened up is getting administrative leave to go take your family members to get vaccinated. And again, this is the administration's push to get everybody's va- to get everybody vaccinated. And I applaud them for doing this. Uh, you know, employees can if employees took from back from July 29th, I believe was the date up to now and in the future, if you're taking your, you know, brother, sister, son, mother, whoever it is to go get vaccinated, then you're going to get administrative time to do that. So we encourage, you know, not just employees to get vaccinated, but get get your families vaccinated as well. It's just the right thing and the smart thing to do for everyone. So, John, are you seeing a lot of your uh, members taking advantage of this? Yeah, you know, it depends upon their part in the organization and their position in life. Um, you have a lot of people who are single parents who don't have a lot of leave. So this really, really helps them because they don't have the leave to go. And if they don't, they're not going to take their own leave to do it because they don't want to burn that. Um, we do have a lot of people with kids who now are saying, you know, this is a good benefit that I can take my kids or my mother lives with me. I can take her. And I'm like, load up the car and take them all. Uh, you know, they're giving you the time and it's a benefit that not everybody in the public sector has. Uh, I mean, being a federal employee has its upsides and downsides, but this is one that's a really good benefit that encourages people to get the vaccination to make everybody healthier. So we are seeing it. And it's, it's generally that I've seen and heard about are people with kids who, um, who want to take the kids and, and whose parents live with them. John, let me stay with you for a moment. Uh, most IRS chapters outside of service centers have at least one or, or a few taxpayer assistance centers. And and now the question is, well, as we see the, the Delta variant and we see certain sections of the country have pretty serious outbreaks, there's been some concern about the health and safety of the employees in the taxpayer assistance centers. What's what's going on in New Jersey along those uh, lines? Funny you should ask, before I got on this call, we have an employee, a longtime 20-year employee, who has five serious health-related immunodeficiency issues. Uh, when they closed the tax, they forced her to telework. No problem. She did it. She's been doing it. Now they call them all back. And uh, because of her, her position and her her doctor said, We'd like to have a reasonable combination to have her work home for a little bit more on, on telework, especially with the variant coming out. And uh, they denied it. Uh, I think it's short-sighted, but I mean, those are the things that you have to deal with because not only do the tech employees come back, they have uh, fiberglass in front of them. It doesn't cover the whole area. Then they're required to go out and clean the area where the taxpayer is when the taxpayer leaves. So the employees are like, do I have the equipment to do that? Because a lot of times they don't even have the gloves or the sanitary equipment to do it. So, you know, it's a good idea to bring taxpayers in and try and get back to normal. But we're having issues with the proper PPE given to employees and taxpayers coming in who don't want to wear masks. And like Duncan said, there was an issue of, of a disturbance out. You know, I'm, I'm just waiting for those to start because what they're also doing, I read the other day, is uh, visitors to the TAC, they may be asking them for uh, statements that they had their vaccine too. And that, that's going to be a, a big mess. Uh, and like, we do have guards there, but like Duncan said, they're not always there when you need them. Uh, Duncan, uh, talk about Indiana health and safety at the uh, taxpayer assistance centers. 
Yeah, this is something that has been an issue with, you know, taxpayers are on edge. If they're not getting their payments, whether it be on the phone or coming in to, in person, they're just not showing the patience with our employees that they used to or that our employees deserve. And whether you're on the phones or in the tech, nobody deserves abuse, whether it's verbal or some cases physical. We just recently this week, earlier this week, had an irate lady in uh, in our tech in Indianapolis and apparently was so upset that she was just getting irate. The manager came down to try it came around to try and defuse the situation. She physically assaulted the manager, knocked his glasses off, scratched him. There there was a roving guard, not a guard in the TAC per se. Uh, There was no uh, CI, criminal investigation, or TIGDA in the building at the time. So basically they had to run and get FBS and find the roving guard, and that lady was arrested, um, and she will be facing local charges. So these taxpayers, it's, it's just, you know, everybody's on edge because of the pandemic. We've got the health uh, and safety issue from the virus standpoint, but we've also got it from more upset taxpayers. And the IRS just needs to make sure that they're doing everything that they can to protect their employees. And NTU, both locally, like people like John and myself, and nationally, where, you know, Tony Reardon and Jim Bailey are sitting there pushing back on every federal agency to make sure that employees are protected as much as possible. You know, John, uh, Duncan describes this as my time in the dark side, but I was a manager for the Taxpayer Assistance Center in Indianapolis, and I had to handle lots of upset people. People might look at me in a nasty way, but they never attacked me. Uh, I think things are changing, John, are they not? Well, yeah, I I like to put it in context and say out here in New Jersey and across the country, see all these videos of people going to restaurants and they have to wait an hour for a table. So they're starting a fight with the people in the restaurants and bars. And they like the people in the restaurants and the bars. <laughs> and they chose to go there. Now they're coming to the IRS. Yeah. To be totally honest, yeah. I've never really met anybody who likes the IRS. And now they're going to have to wait or be told that they can't be served or that, we, that computers are down or that we lost your file. It's, it's just a recipe for disaster. So we really need, like Duncan said, we need the protection for these employees because, I mean, these employees, not that it's everything, but these employees aren't making the most money of anybody in the service. Most of them are lower graded employees who are there because they want to help the taxpaying public. And, uh, you know, they don't need to be getting verbally abused or beat up. That's just not acceptable. So, um, but it's all part of the plan that the agency is going to have to come up with and they better do it soon because, you know, the rubber's hitting the road now. Well, I can remember when the attack happened, uh, it was in Texas, uh, when the office was attacked and, and a manager died and, and you know, it was, it was a very ugly thing. And it wasn't long after that, that all of a sudden, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the national management looked at all of these security reports that tech managers had been filing. Once they reviewed them all, like overnight, they put guards in all the taxpayer mm-hmm. assistance centers. Somebody finally actually looked at what was happening that, Oh my goodness, you know, this has to, this has to change. Uh, John, let me stay with you for a moment. Uh, we've all been anticipating a return to the office. Uh, you know, agencies all throughout the government sent their plans into the White House and OPM and all that. 
Uh, and soon after that, we had the Delta variant, more outbreaks. Uh, the original rumor was that we uh, may be returning to the office, at least in some form, in September. Now it's beginning to look like that will be pushed back. What are you hearing? Yeah, uh, we originally thought that, you know, after the holiday, things would probably try to get back to normal. But now with the variant, um, but like everything else, we, we don't have anything specific. But we also have members who wanted to come into the office for months and other employees who never want to go back. So when they do come out with their policy, um, you know, the agency has tried to address some of this, Larry. In one of our PODs, they said, we have a calendar. And if you're going in the office, you have to sign the calendar. And that way we'll keep it straight. Well, the other day I got a call in our POD where there's three people signed the calendar, said they were going in and 10 people showed up. And there wasn't a manager to be found on either list. So, you know, they called me and said, I said, well, I'm 50 miles away. I don't know what you really want me to do about it now, but I can make a few calls. But I'm like, at a minimum, there has to be a management official at that door just comparing it to the calendar. I don't think it's that hard. And if you're not on the calendar, you don't let them in. But it was just like a free-for-all. Then there's other people wearing masks, some not wearing masks. And, you know, they're afraid to tell their coworker to wear a mask because then a fight will break out between employees. So it, it's just, you know, you have to do better than just relying on everybody to do what they want to do. And uh, we're still waiting for the, for the directive, and we'll see how that goes. But there's going to be problems after that comes down. And uh, Duncan, I, I would have to say that uh, this is a discussion you and I have had over the last several podcasts. So I think at this point, there's no idea when uh, the uh, evacuation order will either be rescinded or amended or when people will be going back to the office. Yeah, it's just right now, it, as John was saying, it's just the situation so fluid, we just don't know and aren't able to tell until things start to settle down. And we don't know when that might be when more people get vaccinated, um, you know, so we can start to reach some herd immunity when we don't have these variants that keep popping up, then it's going to be an issue. And as John stated, there are a lot of people out there who want to come back to the office, who would be safe, who would be wearing their masks. But a lot of management is like, nope, 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 we're not letting anybody back in. So this is part of what needs to be addressed as well making sure that there are people there wearing masks. I just got an email uh, that was sent to the building here in the federal building. Uh, I believe it was Wednesday that was saying, you know, everybody that's coming in needs to wear a mask and you need to continue to wear a mask in the hallways, whether you've been vaccinated or not, because you're in an area that's been declared a hot spot. And, you know, that's the way it is. This is not rocket science. You need to be wearing your mask. You need to be going in when you're told you can go in or you get the situation like John had. But until management can effectively deal with this, we're going to be dealing with these issues popping up. And John? the other problem, Larry, not to interrupt, but the problem we have is <clears throat> the issue is either you have to wear a mask in the building. Then they come to us and say, well, I don't want to wear a mask. Thinking that NTU has a dog really in that fight. If that's the directive from the White House, wear the mask. I mean, you can choose not to wear the mask. I'm going to tell you you shouldn't do that because then what happens is you probably will get disciplined. And then you're sort of on your own because, you know, Duncan, like myself, if someone comes to us with something frivolous or something that is a violation that they caused themselves, we're going to tell them, look, you did this to yourself. 
and by not wearing a mask, you're really doing things to other people as well. So um, I understand everybody has their own opinions about things, but sometimes in life you have to do what somebody tells you to do. And if the federal government tells you to do that in their buildings, I think it's a wise thing to listen. Yeah, it's the, it's the mass, it's the vaccination forms. This is not something NTU can do anything about. We can negotiate how it's implemented and the impact of it, but these orders are going to stand. It's one of those things where it's here, we're going to have to deal with it. How best we do that is to be negotiated, but it's it's here, so you might as well do it. And Duncan knows this too. Indiana University uh, has implemented a requirement that people be vaccinated or else there, there are protocols. Uh, there's, some, there's a group of students that took this to the court, took it all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court refused to hear it. So the IU vaccination requirement, as it is uh, promulgated, uh, stands. So I think the courts have said they're not going to get involved. John, we're about out of time, and I do want to say something because I know you've been a, a long-time IRS employee, chapter official, and I very long-time employee. And and that uh, that uh, chapter of your life is about to come to an end. So tell us what's going on there. Yeah, I had I had uh, I've been here thirty-nine, almost thirty-nine years. It'll be thirty-nine years in January. I was looking to make forty because <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we're having a having a house built to go to Florida because of my in-laws are not in great shape. So we're going to retire, go down there half a year, stay in New Jersey half a year. But uh, then all of a sudden a uh, job opportunity that was really too good to pass up um, came and got dropped in my lap. And um, after careful consideration, discussion with family, uh, I decided to take that. So um, the end of uh, August, August 28th is going to be my last day. So it's uh, bittersweet. I'm looking for a new chapter in my life. Uh, I mean, I think I've done pretty much all I can accomplish here. Um, I'm sure some people are glad to see me go. Some probably, some probably aren't. <laughs> you know, you move on in life and, uh, you know, it will be dealing with the IRS in a different capacity. So the same people I dealt with from the inside, I'll deal with now on the outside. I guess I'll have to talk to them a little different that I'm not a union rep anymore, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I will, I will miss uh, the constant interaction with people like Duncan and the other chapter president representatives who who make NTU the best chapter uh, in the federal, the, the best uh, union in the federal sector. And uh, my chapter is in good shape. We've got some good people coming up behind me, so I feel really good about that. Yeah, this is August 13th when we are recording this, so we're just a matter of days before your retirement, so certainly good luck with that. Uh, I'll give each, of you, give each of you a chance to just uh, make a final comment. Duncan, uh, your final uh, remarks for this podcast. Yeah, I, I would like to just say um, John's been around a long time, and he and I uh, kid each other an awful lot. We have a good time, but John is one of the most respected chapter presidents out there he has done such a great job for not just New Jersey, but for NTU and the IRS as a whole. Um, I hold him in very high regard. I'm very happy for him personally, but professionally, I am very sad to see him go. And on the other closing note, you know, this vaccinate, vaccination stuff, it's a tough decision for people to make. I understand that there's a lot of information out there, but we want people to be safe. Yes, you are going to be looked at to be vaccinated or be tested because you're a member and employee of the federal government. That's just a fact of life. So please consider say consider what to do best safely for you, your family, your fellow employees, and everyone. 
So, John, your uh, your final salvo. What would you like to say? Well, I can say it's been a long, good run. Um, I came here as a co-op, as a junior in college. Um, I've accomplished, hopefully, some good things for the service. And, and I do just want to say that being a chapter president of NTU and a rep for those 37 of those 39 years has been one of the greatest uh, pleasures of my life. And that NTU with Tony Reardon and Jim Bailey and guys like Duncan and uh, the other leadership staff and, and chapter presidents uh, will make sure that federal employees are treated with the dignity and respect. But um, I will miss it. I appreciate the opportunity to come on your podcast and um, everybody take care. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, Duncan. Well, thank you, John. Uh, yes, uh, I, th- I think my service as a chapter uh, leader, uh, you know, uh, right up there with being a manager, I think both of those roles are very important in uh, what I was able to accomplish during my career. I want to thank John Kelshaw. Wish him well in his retirement. Thank Duncan Giles, our chapter president as well, for joining us on this podcast. Once again, you can find our audio podcast just about anywhere you can find a podcast. Just search under podcasts by Larry Lannon, L-A-N-N-A-N, and just look for the Chapter 49 podcast amongst all the podcast lines that I produce. If you want to see our videos, go to YouTube and just search for Duncan Giles and subscribe to his YouTube channel, and you'll find all of our Chapter 49 podcasts there. We thank you again for listening and watching. We thank John and Duncan, and please be safe and be kind. Be kind.